You're listening to Marketing and Mocktails with Manal Sampat, a previously recorded Facebook Live episode inside the group Marketing and Mocktails with Manal, where dental professionals discuss, share, and learn about dental marketing. Manal Sampat is an entrepreneur, speaker, healthcare provider, and enthusiastic shoe lover. She's been featured in the Huffington Post, Dentistry IQ, Forbes, the Guinness Book of World Records, and more. Join her as she discusses marketing, team, business growth with other industry experts. And if you'd like to receive 10 ways to improve your marketing today, simply text the word resources to 38470. Hey guys! Hey! <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Marketing and Mocktails with Got me right here. And I have a very, 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 very special guest today. Some of you know him. Some of you may not know him just yet, but you will get to know him. That's right. I met him. <laughs> I met him at Gemstar 2019 in January. He was one of the fabulous speakers that Vanessa Emerson was able to get. And well, he had a hundred plus, I think there were a hundred plus people in the room, and we were all dancing. That's right, I mean, baby. It was it was great because we were all dancing. So I am so so excited that we have with us. Do you know what? Yay! Ah, the crowd goes wild. Ah. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> I see that we have a few viewers coming in. Who are the seven viewers we have as of now? Let me know. Seven who you viewers? Are. Oh, we're gonna oh, tip it we over. We already have. We have Susan, Candice, Jaime Lynn. Hi guys, come on, start telling us what you're doing, where you're from, if you're here with us. Because we have a really, really exciting show. So I'm super excited about this. Awesome. I, so I don't know Dino that well. And then just in my conversation before him, you know, while we were waiting to come on live, he told me a few things, but I think we are kind of like in a weird way, really like similar people, but a little different, right? I mean, Indian, Caucasian, kind of different, but similar stuff, similar, <laughs> similar, similar stuff. So, you know, guys, how I travel a lot and I kind of live a nomadic lifestyle. Well, Dino has some special plans once he retires. Well, not retires, but once he takes his life on the road. Yeah, retirement. Come on. Who's retiring? But nobody's retiring. Nobody's retiring. And <laughs> um, he also has a really cool way where he started. He used to live in California. He's now living in Utah. So, Dino, tell us a little bit. Tell us all the audience a little bit about you. Uh, so I was born on a cold summer afternoon. No, no just kidding. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I actually, yeah, I grew up born and raised in California my whole life. I lived in a small little town for most of my life called uh, Apple Valley. No one knows what that's. Hey, Susan, how's it going? And uh, it's a little tiny town. I lived in, it was Apple Valley, Hesperia, Victorville, this little area. If you've ever driven from Los Angeles to Vegas, you have passed by it. It's a desert town. My wife and I both actually grew up there. We've known each other since we were five. She was my, oh. backdoor, na she was my backdoor neighbor. Wow. Uh, so... Uh, grew up and raised there. I was going to be a performer growing up. Everybody knew Dino was going to go leave LA or leave my little town, go to LA and dance and perform. And that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, man plans and God laughs. So, uh, that didn't turn out for me because I actually had a bigger dream, which was being a dad and a father and a husband and Hollywood's not very conducive to doing those things. Uh, well, so I, I stopped doing that and I got into figuring out how I could make money to feed my family and got into real estate a little bit. I got into this world of teaching people how to actually uh, do real estate and got into coaching a little bit. 
And I had a dream that I wanted to help people with their relationships and I never knew how to do it. I figured out a way to do it. And people started to hire me to help them in their marriages. And they were typically higher end entrepreneurs or doctors or lawyers or authors or speakers. And I put systems into their marriage to help them have a better marriage. That brought me into the private practice world where I had chiropractors and dentists. And I had, denti- I had a dentist one day say to me, hey, Dino, this is working amazing in my marriage, but I'm married to six other people in my office. I have six work wives. I need to communicate with all of them better because I can't communicate with them. What do I do? So I started putting systems in place for them. And that's what led me here. I started uh, focusing on the ortho, really the ortho uh, world, orthodontics world. And I create cultures. I help people have better relationships inside and outside their relation, outside of their business. And that's where I am today. So are you like a modern hitch? A modern hitch, yeah. That's, uh, I probably don't have as good as rhythm as Will Smith. Although <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I thought I, you have a pretty good rhythm because you were dancing on the stage and you had a hundred plus people dancing. L- listen, I, I think I could hang with him, but I mean, he's just got that swagger that I still am. I still am very aware of my, my whiteness. I'm a very, I'm very aware of it. Yeah. Uh, I actually got to, I actually met Will Smith once. Uh, I, I DJ'd back in the day, man, this is taking me, wait, this is a deep cut, Manal, this is a deep cut. Okay. I DJ'd Jaden Smith's eighth birthday party. Oh, so wow. I was the DJ and the karaoke guy for uh, his birthday party and, and Jada was there and uh, Will, and it was right before he did iRobot and also, yeah, so he was a great guy, he was super nice. Is he? Because you know, I met uh, another person. I think you may know him uh, as well, who's also a speaker, and he worked with Will Smith on Hitch. And he oh. spoke. Yeah, he spoke at one of the conferences recently. Well, nice. not recently, last year. And I immediately signed up with him for coaching classes because why not? Uh, I'm like, I'm like, am I like halfway closer to like not knowing Will Smith now? Because like, you're, <laughs> that's you're right, like you're, you're that close. close. You're like, that's I'm like right. that close, right? But you're like, you're like Kevin Bacon. You're just like seven <laughs> steps away. <laughs> yes, but you know what? I really want to get into a couple of things here because yeah. oh, thank you, viewers. Candace is laughing. Jason says, "Hey, Susan's here. Anissa Holmes is here. Sarah's here. Betty's here. What's up, guys? Make sure hey, you're everybody. commenting." Yeah. Yes, please make sure that you're commenting. We are discussing a lot about culture today, about relationships. And I'm sure you have seen some of the promos that have been going out about Dino's quotes, which were, in a way, uh, you know, when I was reading at them, I'm like, damn, man. I mean, he's saying consultants, you don't have any business until you have relationship in place. What is going on here? So that those were <laughs> those are my kind ones. <laughs> Well, you know what? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Because I know that for one, you know, when as a marketing strategist, when I'm working with dental practices or, or I also work with business owners and coaches and consultants and speakers and all that good stuff. And I'm, whenever I'm working with them, that is the hardest part. I cannot, like you said, I cannot fix the culture or um, that tension that's in a practice. And if there is tension, nobody, nobody is going to be able to perform what they're supposed to do and yeah. do it with joy and happiness. Because there's a lot different when you have a happy team member yeah. than a team member who's doing an eight to five job, right? So yeah. like, I, al- I always feel that a leader kind of sets the tone. 
Yep. The way you are, the way you interact with your team, the way your mood is, the how excited you are, how much you love doing your job. But if all of that is kind of meh, your team yep. is also going to be meh. So, yep. and I know you've been doing this for a while. So what would you say are some ways, like give us some examples of the ways that owners can lead their businesses or practices? Well, the most important thing that you have to have an owner and a uh, to create a culture. What people don't understand is is you have to design a culture. If you just expect the culture to happen, then what's going to happen is the uh, strongest personality and in that case, strongest energy is going to win. And mm. so, if you have a really like if you have that Debbie Downer in the office, or if you have what I call the Eeyore person. Mm -hmm. They're always going to win in the culture game because they're dragging everybody else down. Jim Collins in Good to Great says that if you have an A-list player team and then you bring in one C-list player, it's going to drop everybody down to a B-list. And so you have to think that what am I doing to set the pace? Like you said, the energy, the leader right. has to have the highest energy. Right. They have to have that vision that's so strong. I often say, you know, they have to have a Moses-like vision. What I mean by that is, Moses led people into the wilderness for 40 years. Whatever you believe, it doesn't matter. The story is still right, the story, right? right? right, right, right. So the, he led people into the wilderness for 40 years. Like you would think at one point, like 20 years in, somebody was like, hey, does this guy know what he's doing? Like, does he know where he's talking? Yeah, and he's a guy, so he didn't ask for directions, obviously. But he, when you think about that, his vision had to be so strong that he led a group of people for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And they believed it. So mm -hmm. as a leader of a business, you got to have a vision that's so strong. And what I talk about is they have to be relatable and retellable. So your vision has to be relatable and retellable. Everybody on that team has to know what it is. And that's the first step of a culture. You look at Walt Disney, the mm -hmm. happiest place on earth was his vision. You look at Bill Gates, a computer on every desk in every home in the world. Mm -hmm. That's a huge vision. Oprah Winfrey, live your best life. Absolutely. They have visions that make people go, ooh, I want to be a part of that. And that's ooh. the most important thing for a leader to have in a culture and starts a culture. And we can go into the whole culture equation if you want, but that's the most important thing right there. And do you think that having that, because you know, here's, here's, here's where I really get frustrated, right? Um, when I go into the practices, and this is the number one question I ask them is that, well, we want to describe in marketing, I want to show off your culture. Tell me your culture in your practice because nobody cares about you being a dentist because there is competition all around you. Yep. The question is why you? Why yep. this practice? And yep. if you look at the reviews, no matter what, they always talk about their experiences and the team yep. and how they felt, right? I mean, patients don't know what it is to fill a tooth. They have no idea what Invisalign is. They don't know any of that. Nope. They just know how they felt yep. and what it was. You know, my parents, have you ever been to the Virgin Islands, Dino? I, I've, I've passed by them on a boat, but I've never been to them. Okay, so I grew up in St. Thomas, mm -hmm. which is a part of the U.S. Virgin Islands. And in, the, in St. Thomas, there is this street, one street, and it's called the Main Street, mm -hmm. but like many places. But here's a cool thing. The entire street has jewelry stores. So there are 200 jewelry stores on one street. Can you guess what my family does? Not jewelry. <laughs> they do jewelry. Oh, they do. Yeah, they do jewelry. In fact, they have two stores on that street. But 
They walk into that street every day and there's a competition on the left, on the right, in front of them and behind them. Yep. I mean, and they've been doing this for decades and so has everybody else. So yep. how do they make money? It's not the jewelry by itself because they have so much availability there. So I can't say that, hey, they have the best jewelry. They, in my opinion, they do because, you know, they're my family and they design sure. their jewelry. But sure. realistically speaking, when you walk in, you have all these options as a customer. But how do they survive? And how is it that they still continue to grow? Yep. It's because they create an experience for the person. It's the experience. It's the leadership. It's the experience. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a, a part of that, I think, is also that when we, I mean, I go because they have a review system in place and all that. And when I go and look at their reviews on TripAdvisor or Google or Facebook, I always get that information coming in saying, oh, my God, I love Sam and Andy. They're such great people. Oh, my God, I can't believe Vina made homemade food, food for us. Oh, my God, what is, you know, what is going on? So all these people are talking about their experience and hardly anybody's talking about the actual jewelry. <laughs> right, right, right. Because you know? no one, because, because you're right. No one cares about how you fill a tooth or how white, you know, how you do the thing you do. They care Absolutely. about the result. Absolutely. And this is a great time, Candace, because Candace is asking the question, can you guys please define what office culture means? Like a Love mission it. statement or brand? Right. So for me, the office culture is not about how exact, not necessarily how you feel in the, in the practice. And that's what a lot of people do is they, I think culture is kind of one of these nice corporate words that's being branded about quite a bit. Mm. Like, oh, what's your culture, what's culture? I don't right. actually believe it's the culture, it's the actual, um, how we are as a, uh, what I believe, changing the world. See, if you wanna actually make a difference, you have to decommoditize the thing you do. Mm. And dentists, orthodontists and stuff, they don't know, they typically don't decommoditize what they do. They can only de de uh, fight back on price and they're hoping that they're a better price or uh, we can even, even we have better Google reviews, right? We mm -hmm. need them to actually be able to create an experience that's different, that makes them unique. I'll, I'll explain the culture this way. Apple did this very, very, very smartly. What they did smartly, is that the right word? Is that, I used a really dumb word for a word called smart. They did it <laughs> smarter, they did it more intelligently. That's the word. Uh, so what they did is they actually made you choose the difference between the two. They had that commercial where it was the white, all white backdrop with two people. They had a hip young dude and then a nerdy overweight dude and said, hi, we're an Apple. And the other one said, hi, we're a PC. And in that moment, what they did is they created a culture choice. You had to decide, do you want to be the hip young dude or identify with them? Or do you want to be the overweight nerdy dude? And so in that moment, they didn't just say, hi, we're Apple. And the other one said, hi, well, I'm a Hewlett Packard or I'm a Dell or I'm a Daewoo. They said PC. Now, Ooh. Apple is a PC as well. It's a personal computer. That's all Apple is. Right. But Apple said, no, 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 no. We're an Apple. That's all a PC. Everything else besides Apple is a PC. And all of a sudden, they changed the marketplace. So they created a culture of, oh, we're Apple. We're a brand. We're an identity. And we are a movement. And typically, a culture, when I define culture, I look at that. I look at the brand. I look at the movement. And I look at the identity. So when I go into an office, for example, uh, and people talk about the assistants, right? 
Mm -hmm. Oh, we have our assistants in the back. Well, why do you have assistants? Everybody has an assistant. What if you had a smile architect instead? Mm -hmm. What if right. you had a tooth designer? What if you had something that's different? And we'll go to another culture that's very huge, right? It's uh, Disney. Disney right. has the culture of, they don't have employees, they right. have cast members. Right. They don't have customers, they have guests. They're not mm -hmm. at work, they're on stage. So if you can think about that with your business, all of a sudden you start decommoditizing it because you're not selling them what you do, you're <coughs> selling them the results. And then the culture then does this, really fascinating. It actually magnetizes when you have, when you know those three things. When you have that, you magnetize the clients you want and not the clients you have to have, the clients you want, and that's important. And the team members that want to be a part of that movement and hold that identity and then actually believe that about themselves, it changes the game. And, you know, I um, that is that is brilliant. I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying. Candace, I hope that was a little bit of an insight. We're going to go a little bit deeper because I want Dina to describe the culture uh, equation that he has. But, you know, a part of uh, also culture is like Dino said, it's already using vocabulary. It's already using words which are aligned with the outcome, yep. not the job, but the outcome. That's right. So, so it's very different because as soon as you put that in place, so like I, when I have team members uh, that I'm training inside of practice, to I, you know, I tell I tell them that you're going to become marketing gurus, and I start calling them that you are the practice ambassador. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, you are not a marketing rep. You are not the CMO. No, you are the practice ambassador because marketing to me is about showing off how good you are. You need to talk about that brand, that practice. Yeah. And that's what an ambassador does. So automatically it defines the outcome. So in similar way, if you want to look at your businesses right now, if you look at your practices and see the job roles that you have and how it is that you're defining them for the outcome could be the first step. And let's go into the mission statement, Dino. Yeah. If, if I can real fast, if yeah. I can real fast on that, um, I, I have a great friend, his name's Garrett Gunderson, and he's a, he's a financial planner and all stuff. And he talks about how that very thing that if you're hiring people for a task, mm -hmm. you create enslavement. But if you hire people for a role, you create freedom as a business mm. owner. And so here you're having the role of the marketing ambassador. I actually call him the ambassador of buzz, right? For the, for the marketing right. people. And so it's the same type of idea, right? Like you're now a role, you're an actual, you're a cast member is different than an employee. A cast right. member means that you have a, a role to play. Right. And, and, and you know what that role is based upon uh, the core values and the support you get. But yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that idea that you have. You know, and, um, and that's so great that you just said that because I hate it. I have, I have my team members. I hate calling them assistants. I hate calling them any of that because I just don't think that's who you are. If well, you're, you know, you know, you know, I, you know, you know, my thing about staff, right? It's an infection. It's an infection nobody wants. That's right. I, I tell I tell everybody that all the time. I'm like, why would you call somebody a staff? That's so gross, right? It's it like, is. oh, go see my staff. Here, I'm going to be working on your teeth. I'm going to be in my hands are going to be in your mouth, and go uh, go see a staff member who's going to no, like that team member. And by the way, you know, we all win or lose as a team, right? Staff. Well, now sometimes we have staff. 
that get that come into the office and infect everyone else, right? You right. have a good team, and if right. you're not careful, right. but if you really create a team, they're going to protect that team, right? They're not oh, going to yeah. let anyone in. That's why when I talk about hiring and firing and stuff, there's a whole process that I do where, I, man, you better have your team involved in the hiring process because they're the ones who are going to have to work with them. And if not, you're going to let a staff member come in and it's going to ruin what you have. So, yeah. No, I Yeah, I agree with you. I hate the word staff. I think it's, ah. it's wrong. It's just uh, derogatory and it doesn't it doesn't put that team together. Everybody that use more kind of a deal. You're, you're, so, you're not a front. You're not a front desk person. Like there's no front desk person, right? Yeah. It's not, that's not a thing. <laughs> it's like you're you're a director of first impressions, man. Yeah. You're a concierge. You're you're a front desk person. Like who wants? Can I be a front desk person? Like that's what my job is. No. Anyways. And even even the way you are, you know, they will say go see the receptionist right. when you are checking in. And I hate that. I always say go see the welcome desk, or I would something to do that's with right. welcome, right? Like mm -hmm. don't because the receptionist is. Hello, how can I help you? I hate my life. Life sucks. Give me your insurance well, card. Uh, well, welcome, hi. Yeah, exactly. They're like that's what they're right. We rise up to the level of what we believe about ourselves, right? And so, yeah. if every day I have people telling me that I'm the director of first impressions, or I take that upon myself, I'm the director of first impressions. Oh, that 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 makes me. I get doctors all the time. Do you know how can I have? Uh, my team members actually be more productive or be more motivated or take more responsibility. I'm like, well, quit calling them derogatory names that don't give yes. them any role to play. You're giving them a task. Phone, oh, you're the phone answerer. Oh, awesome. okay. I guess that's my task, right? Anyways, yeah, we can go yeah, on. I, we can go on and yeah, on about we, this. We, we, can, we could, but I mean, this is important stuff though, because people don't think of it this way. And there are like psychological studies done on this, where mm -hmm. they have named people winners and losers. They have done That's all right. these things to see how it's going to. And so much of what we do every day defines us. Like you know, we were both at Jumpstart, and Mark LeBlanc was there, mm -hmm. and he he in his talk he mentioned what you do every day matters more than what you do sometimes. That's right. Yep. So how do you, if you were to take that even higher and you say, how do you treat others every day matters more than how do you treat them sometimes? Well, it's it's a matter of, right, like I talk about in my offices how, okay, so so what's what's the benchmark? Like like in core values, for example, right? People will be like, oh yeah, we got core values. We, um, honesty and integrity and customer service. And I'm like, well, that's, that's, that's the cost of doing business. That's not a core value. Yeah. And there's, there's no other business out there. That's like, Hey, our core values are we suck at service and we're not honest. Like no one's going to say that everyone's going to say that. But, yeah. um, I, there's a story of uh, you guys, you know who I'm not going to ask your age, but do you know who Bart Connor is from the 1984 Olympics? Cause you weren't born in 1984. So for those of you that are watching, <laughs> there was a time where Manal was not born and it was 1984. And I'm going to continue in the shame of this. So in 1984 Olympics, there was uh, Mary Lou Retton. You probably heard of her. She was like the big deal uh, then. But there is also a, a men's gymnastic team. And in on that team, there's like Timothy Daggett and Peter Vidmar and a guy named Bart Connor. And about nine months before Bart Connor was uh, to be at the Olympics, he tore the bicep muscle in his arm. Now, for a male gymnast, any gymnast whatsoever, that's a big deal. 
And everyone was like, he's out. He's not going to be Olympics. And of course, then he goes on to go into the Olympics and win the team gold medal. And afterwards, people asked him uh, and the reports like, hey, how did you come back from that? That's crazy. And he said, because ever since I was a little kid, my parents would ask me what success I had that day before I went to bed. They told me I was a success. They made me think of the success I was mm -hmm. every single day. And mm -hmm. so even when I tore my bicep, I knew I was going to be a success and I'd overcome it because my parents told me that every single day. You know, that's exactly what you're talking about is that Absolutely. when we tell people who they are, they yeah. will rise to that. Whether that's in your relationship, you tell your loved that's one, your spouse, you know, you tell them that they're they're dumb or they're they're uh, disappointing yeah. you or whatever. Well, that's guess what you're going to get. So, yeah, it's. Yeah, and you know, and that's so true. Uh, so funny. People are now calling me Baby Manal. Oh, you're so funny. Stop baby it. Manal. They're like, Baby Manal. And then everybody goes, this is epic. Okay, of course, of course. This is what you guys are, are doing. But, uh, you know, what you just said, and maybe that's why unconsciously I kind of said that because um, I, I, you know, my, my brother and sister-in-law had a, had a baby daughter a couple of years ago my beautiful, adorable niece, and my parents take care of my niece whenever, you know, grandparents love, it's always there. Sure. And it was the first time that um, I, when I, was, when I was watching my parents with my niece, was the first time that I got to see how they, my parents treated me when I was young, right? Because I was now an adult and I was seeing how they were treating her. Right. And they always treated, uh, you know, they always, her name is Reba, my niece's name, and they always treat her with so much respect, so much confidence, and they always tell her to be confident. And if you know, if she were to fall, oh, it's just a fall. Get up. It's just a fall. You're fine. Right. You're not, nothing. You know. Oh, you want to do this? Go ahead. Let's go do this. And I saw how so much of that, you know, is built up in who I am today, simply because that's what, from a very young age, they told me that every day. Oh, you want to do this? Go ahead and try. Okay, you, if you, it was always, what's the worst that's going to happen? What's right. the worst that's going that's to awesome. happen? That, that's awesome. That's awesome. Right? So yep. I got to see my parents kind of do that with my niece, and I had to reflect back and say, it's so powerful. And yeah. if we were to take something like that in our work lives, where we do treat our team members as they are, as the superstars they are, the super amazing mm -hmm. heroes they are, you say thank you and you always make them a big deal. They stay with you because you appreciate them and you see the value in them, right? Yep. So true. It's so true. I, you know, when I stand up on stages, uh, when I'm in front of offices, I'll typically, I didn't do this at, at, at um, Dental Speakers Institute, but typically I will stand up in front of people and I'll, one of the first things I say mm -hmm. is I stand in front and I say, my name is Dino Watt and I'm the best in the world at what I do. And I'm standing in front of a group of people who I believe are the best in the world at what they do, even if they don't realize it yet. Right. And that's usually my first, uh, my opening line or close to my opening line. And, and it's fascinating when I'm talking to teams about that because, you know, Manal, it's amazing that you had that as parents and that they did that for you. And as we know, there are many team members who did not grow up with that. Right. Who didn't grow up with that encouragement and that love and that support. And mm -hmm. so I feel, in my personal opinion, and I wrote this in my book, is that I feel that when someone takes on the role as entrepreneur and business owner, that they have a responsibility and a duty to actually 
help other people who are going to work with them, their team members, rise to another level, believe yes. better about themselves, yes. that it's their job to make the help them see uh, what a great relationship looks like, what mm -hmm. a great uh, business owner looks like, what a great uh, person to strive for more. And yet so often I do get doctors who at first when they meet me will be complaining about, well, this person doesn't do this and they bring their garbage to work and then I'm like, but you need to understand that this office, your job is to create a safe space for them to feel encouraged to believe more about themselves, to actually feel like they can achieve more in their life mm -hmm. than what they're getting out there or what they grew up with. Right. And so I think it's a very, very big responsibility for people. It is, and like we said, you know, the leader is the one who leads. Oh, I have Susan here, she's commenting and she's saying that, I'm gonna show that comment right here. She says that, given what you have said, the dental hygienist should be called an oral health practitioner. Sure. And it's not your cleaning appointment, it's your oral health appointment. That's a yes. great one. That's a so I, I think a rule of thumb that you can go off of, because you can play around with all of those words, right? And what mm -hmm. I do is I say, I want to shock the shorts of the people coming into my office. I want them to be like, who? Because every <laughs> everywhere else I go, it's an assistant or it's a hygienist. I want to be like um, the, the um, yeah, the smile architect, like when you say, oh, the smile architect will be out with you in a moment. Uh, the who? Because everywhere mm -hmm. else, they have an assistant. Right. You know, I, I do that for myself. I try to shock people a lot, um, and it happens every once in a while. But, you know, even when we met today when beforehand, and you yeah. said, hey, how are you doing today? Mm -hmm. I never respond with the normal, I'm good, I'm okay, oh, I'm okay. I always say, I'm awesome. And the right. reason why is because I want to, number one, plant that in my head that I'm awesome. Mm -hmm. and number two is because I want to shock people. Sure, so I want people to be like, okay. And I get that all the time. People are like, all right. <laughs> because people don't think about them themselves. So uh, Susan's exactly right, right? Change that word up, make it unique. So people go, well, that's interesting. That is. Well, let's dive into now the culture equation because I'm really excited oh. about this. All right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, you know, I think we went way over here and now we're going back. Okay. Yes, because you know what? I, I, I saw that in my notes and I'm like, I was so excited when you put up that as one of the questions was, let's talk about the culture equation. And I'm like, a cult, again, shocking, a culture equation. Is there such a thing? You know, yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah. So, um, like I was saying, you have to design your culture, you have to be deliberate about it. Most doctors and leaders, lead their offices in one of three ways, either through disdain, meaning like, I'm just trying to make this thing uh, something that I can retire and sell. Like, I just want people to come and do their jobs and just leave me alone. Or they go and then they blame everything else, right? They blame the economy, they blame competition, they blame their location, they blame all the stuff that why they can't be great in their business and why their business can't blow up. Or they do it through default, which is they're doing okay, right? They're working all right, they're, they're doing just fine and uh, they're making a good living. But deep down, they know they could strive for more. They could mm -hmm. be having more, but it's going to take more work. And I've tried stuff before. I've hired a consultant. It didn't really work mm -hmm. out. you know. Or lastly is design. And the mm -hmm. designed person is like, I am deliberate every day. I have intention. I have commitment. I know where I'm going. I have that vision. Well, a culture is only going to be created, a good culture, through somebody who's going to design it. And a design culture means that you have three things in place, and you're gonna ask a question. No, 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 go ahead. 
Oh, okay. Um, so the first thing is that you have that vision that we talked about, right? They have to have that vision. But right behind that is they have to have specific expectations. And expectations, I there are four different expectations, but what I focus on mostly is core values. And those core values have to actually say something about you and they have to move the needle forward. And what I do is I call, I call it the hiring and firing list, meaning that we don't have to talk about uh, personal judgment or personality, we can talk to the core values. So for example, I mentioned earlier, somebody says uh, they have honesty as one of their mm -hmm. core values. Well, that shouldn't be a core value because that should be just implied because you started a business that you're gonna be honest with people. However, a core value that can actually change the needle is we're dedicated to radical transparency. Mm -hmm. Oh, now if I'm a client and I walk in and I see, because it should be posted what our core values are, if I see, oh, these guys are dedicated to radical transparency, huh, that makes me think and believe that they're actually gonna tell me stuff even when they don't wanna tell me stuff. Mm -hmm. That when they've messed up on a case or when they've overcharged me or they've undercharged me, that they're gonna be radically transparent with me. Hmm, maybe I should be radically transparent too. Mm. It's that Disney effect again too, right? You walk into Disneyland, happiest place on earth, guess what happens at Disneyland? People act differently. They're nicer, they're kinder. They're not gonna be as rude. Even in the hot summer heat, they're typically, most people are in a better mood at Disneyland because it's accepted that we're gonna have a magical day because that's a core value at Disney. And then the third part of the equation is that we have to have support. We have to show support to our team members and let them know that if they're adhering to the vision and following the core values, that we're gonna support the decisions they make 100%. Mm -hmm. And I use the same example of Disney in the sense of, the Disney uh, uh, team member knows that if they make a decision, for example, at Disney, if I'm walking by and I'm a street sweeper and I see a little kid holding an ice cream that's way too big for them in the first place, they should have never gotten it, and it falls on the ground and they're crying, I, as a team member, know, I can, a cast member, I can go over to the nearest ice cream stand, get them an ice cream, no charge, and give it to them so that it replaces it. I'm supported in doing that because I'm adhering to the core value of make it a magical day and it has mm. to be the happiest place on earth. Now, let me show you just real quickly how strong this is because we know Apple, we know Disney, we know Zappos, we know Amazon, we know so many of these yeah. companies that have created cultures, but it works the opposite way too. The culture equation can work the exact opposite way if you want to use it for evil. So Adolf Hitler used the culture equation. He had a very strong specific relatable and retellable vision to the people he was talking to. He had very specific core values that said, hey, if you wanna be a part of this group, this is what you must adhere to. And he supported you so much that if you were a lowly private in his uh, army and you felt that someone wasn't adhering to the vision and following the core values, you could kill them and you'd be okay. That shifted our society, shifted our, our, uh, our world out of that, those three steps. Those are the three steps that you need for a core value. I mean, for a culture. And if you do that, you can design any culture you want, but you gotta be specific in all three of those areas. And you that's know, what the equation is. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking here and I'm looking at uh, the outcome for this culture equation, right? And what it's, what it's telling me is that, first of all, it takes away the micromanagement. Mm -hmm. Because Absolutely. now you are, you are empowering your team members to make decisions based on the, yep. the vision 
and based on the core values. So yep. you're, you're in a way telling them, this is what we believe in. This is what we need to get there because this is our vision. And if you do these things, you don't have to come to me. That's right. I used to say when I first started, I want to eliminate all um, office managers. I don't, I don't mean I want to kill all office managers. That's not what I mean by eliminate them. Um, that if we are doing our jobs right as leaders, and mm -hmm. if we're following the culture equation, we don't need office managers because everyone will self-manage the way they should. And if we can do that, we will win the game over and over again. I mean, look, you know, stress-related cardiovascular disease is the number one killer for dentists. Guys, we're stressing way too much. Like, let's take some of that stress off. Let's give it to other people. But we can set them up for success. We need to be able to set them up in such a way that they can be successful so we can be successful. Doctors come to me all the time. You know, how do I motivate my team? And I'm like, you can't. It's impossible. You cannot motivate another human being. Even a gun to the head is going to end one way or another. But what you can do is you can find out what personally motivates them. What's their why? Why are they showing up to work every day? Are you hiring people for a position or are you hiring them for a passion? Mm. If you do a passion, you will not have to worry about motivation. They will bring that motivation every single day to what they do. So. You know uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you think about it now that, you know, you are um, talking to me about this and I'm uh, now my brain's going here and there, but think about it this way. If you see people in your work, in your practice, if you see people who are doing amazing jobs, who are following the core values, who are following the mission, who are self promoters and who are, um, you know, almost doing everything without you telling them, there is a very high chance that if you start micromanaging them or if you start questioning them, they will leave. Oh, yeah. And they will also become your competitors. Yep. Because they are already self-motivating and they are yep. already used to working a certain way. So yep. if you were to look at your team members and if you were to see people who are shining and you start controlling them now, that's really bad for your business. Absolutely. Uh, think about it this way. If you, um, people will completely be dedicated to you and give you more if they mm -hmm. believe that you're dedicated to them and care about their future, not their future paycheck, but what they want out of life. I have a survey that I send out to every office that I go, uh, that I go to before I go to it. And one of the questions is, do you believe that your leaders support you and want to see you grow in your life, even if it means you ultimately won't be a member of their team. Mm. And the reason why I want to know that is because if they're doing that, then that person is going to be more dedicated for the time that they're there. And Loyalty. if not, they won't. Loyalty. Right. Loyalty matters. And yep. people, people usually remember that too. And everybody who's watching right now, what are some of the core values you believe in? What are some of the things that are happening in your practice? Do you or, or your business? I know we have a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs on here. What are your core values? What is your mission? What do you think about this culture equation? And have you come across or have you been the person who has left a position or a business or a practice because you were a self-motivator or you were not given the credit or you were not given that love and encouragement? Talk to us. We're listening. We're listening to you. My friend Ty Bennett, um, he's a speaker for big corporations and on leadership. 
has written a few books. And yesterday he just posted something that was so smart. And it said that um, people join, join for the company, but leave because of leadership. Yes. And that's really strong and powerful when you think about that. I often ask my doctors, um, would you want to work for you? Like the way that you're leading, would you want to work for you? And that makes them pause usually quite a bit because like, oh man, yeah, I know. Like it, it makes them think about it. It's so true. It's absolutely when, true. When you think about core values, by the way, um, I think that the core values, the culture equation, that's not just for your business. If you want to really take this personal and deep, mm. think about it in your life and in your marriage and in your family. Like what's the vision for your marriage? Right. What are the core values you have? When I talk core values, I often look at, look, I always want to see how they can take that core value up another level that makes them accountable to something. Um, we don't just give customer service. We are dedicated to being the best part of our patient's day, right? That's a whole nother level. Uh, we don't um, just, we don't have a lot of fun. We have high energy and high fives, mm. right? That's a, that's That's a different dedication to it. So in your own relationship, you think about it this way, like radical transparency is actually one that my wife and I have in our relationship. Uh, we have radical transparency, experience over things. That's why we did the big long road trip and that's why we're gonna do it again in a couple of months because we would rather have experience than things. And right. that's just something we've, we've, we've grown our kids up, like taught them that as they've grown up too. So think about that in your own relationship. What's the core values that you have so that you can take your relationship to the next level? It's the hiring, firing list of everything you do. It, I think, you know, it it define, it helps you define your life in a way. Absolutely. And it helps you define how you want to live your life. So it's funny. I was thinking about this before we got on, right? We were talking about mocktails, right? Like mm -hmm. two, two non-drinkers standing sitting right here, right? I've actually never, which I'm sure this show would be a ton more crazy if both people were really drinking alcohol, <laughs> right? I get it. I totally get it. I would like to see that show actually. It's, uh, I mean, I know there's a show like Drunken History, stay right? For the, stay for the after party. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I've never had a, a, a sip of alcohol in my life. I've never had a drink of alcohol in my life. And part of that is my upbringing of what I was taught believing. But the other part of that is the core value I created when I was younger, because all of my mom's side of the family are, are alcoholics in one way or another, right? Mm -hmm. And I saw that growing up. And so, I just went, you know what? I'm just going to be dedicated to never having to be in a situation where I'm not me 100%. And mm -hmm. to me, that's what alcohol does. It changes you up. And some people say it makes you more you because it loosens you up. It takes down at, at your, your in inhibitions. But for me, it was just nothing. So that's just a core value I have. It's what makes me me. And my wife knows she can count on that. My kids know they can count on it. That's just who I am. So you're absolutely right. It's It's who... You are, and if you want to have a business that thrives, you got to have those core values. And you need to have conviction. So you need yes. to be able to, and you know, so it's so funny that you mentioned the mocktails. Every time I have the show post go up, I always have some random people saying, what's a mocktail? What is a, what is, what is even a mocktail? What, what can you drink? Why don't, why can't we have a cocktail? And you know, I, I do drink. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I grew up in the Virgin Islands. I mean, rum is cheaper than water there. So <laughs> maybe it's also me growing up part, just like you did. Or maybe it's a part of me growing up. But, you know, it becomes a, um, I have seen when 
alcohol is involved with businesses and mm -hmm. I can't take responsibility for the guest who is uh, drinking or being drunk. So this is just mocktails and you can, like I said, feel free. I literally had somebody who was scared because they were drinking a beer and they were like, Ooh, I don't know if this is allowed on your show and all. So they looked at a koozie covering the beer, but they can <laughs> see the beer on the top and they're like, shh, and then they'll hide it. Right. And then they'll hide it. You know, we had, I had people with wine glasses, everything. And it's totally okay as long as you take responsibility for it. But yeah, of again, course. that's a thing that I decided with my business and with my show where I don't think it's okay, at least for me, I need to be professional. It's my show mm -hmm. and we have to do it this way. So, you know, let's go back. I have a couple of people are telling us some of the core values we are getting are attitude of gratitude. Employees yeah. uh, just want to be acknowledged. Absolutely. We have somebody else here who told us that they left the office for those reasons because they were not being appreciated. Oh, yeah. You'll get that for so many people, right? And that's one of the things, right? Just show that sense of gratitude to people on a daily basis. I tell my doctors this. You need to understand that every person that shows up to your office every day, they're there to make your dreams come true, right? Not a single one of them woke up this morning going like, oh, my dream is to go and, and clean people's teeth today, whatever. They're going to make your dream come to you. You had the dream of opening a business. You had the dream of being an entrepreneur. You have the dream. They're there to help you fulfill it. You need to act like it. You need mm -hmm. to thank them. You need to have that gratitude for sure. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things. That, and, and, and by the way, I love doctors and I love what they've done. And, and here's the thing. I, I feel so um, frustrated with the industry in general because no one taught them how to be entrepreneurs. Out of yeah. all the schooling they go to, no one teaches them how to run a business and, and deal with entrepreneurs. We were uh, doing a discovery session with some uh, a female dentist a while ago. And she said, to my wife who was doing the, the session, she said, no, 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 you don't understand. It's not that I was never even, that I was taught uh, not how to be a business person. I've never held a job in my life. Mm. In school, my job was to go to school. My parents wanted me to go to school, so they had me go to school. I get done from school, I go to college, I go to grad school, and then now I'm owning a business. I don't know how to own a business. I don't know how to be an employee. So we have to be willing, hey, Rick, we have to be willing to understand that and therefore when i approach it i'm always approaching it like hey how do we you know help people get to the next level of understanding these are smart people these are smart doctors we just have to give them some insights but you know what there's a good news happening to that dental schools specifically are realizing my husband's a physician mm. and uh, luckily for him and i we have both had jobs since we were teenagers so we have had a series of, you know, <laughs> working under people, mm -hmm. trying to do our own thing, all of this good stuff. So uh, Andrew, Andrew has been working since it was a while, but as a doctor, you know, he, his focus are his patients. Yeah. He's not worried about the other stuff. And he always comes home and he's like, I'm, you know, I'm not worried about all this. I just, I need to see my patients. This is what I need to do. And he has a great uh, ability for business, but here's a good part about dentist. So if you if everybody's listening, Sidra says, I agree with Dino, preach. Yes, Sonia says amen. Hi guys. So here's a here's a cool thing. I recently was uh, reached out to because there are dental schools now who are putting together entrepreneur programs. Great. So I was I'm speaking in one of those dental schools, a state dental school, uh, in 
in the spring, summer, in the spring and summer of this year, because they reached out to me and they said, hey, we really want to get our doctors, uh, our especially people who are graduating, you know, our last year residents, learning a little bit more about what to do for a business entrepreneurship. So it is happening because, and here's Good. the thing, when you know that the schools are making that change, it's a real issue because they are very conservative and they hardly and make they're it. very slow to change. Yeah. Yes, they're very slow to change. So schools are making this change. It is very, very important to be able to see this because you are running a business. This yep. is a business. And it's a very different kind of business because you have healthcare, which is patient care, and you have to worry about business. So, you know, you have to worry about everything from HIPAA to patient care to laws to your continuing education credits to making sure you're on top of the game. And then you have all this competition coming at you and you're trying to run a business and you need to practice and there's an overhead and there are machines which are hundreds of thousands of dollars and you still have to show up on your A game and you have payroll and you have these team members. It's overwhelming. It's and you can't and you can't be sick and you can't get injured and you like there's yeah it's there is a lot so like Dino said sometimes you just want to live and you can't take life uh, you know too crazy and I want to no. get our last questions because you and I just keep going talking this is a fun fun episode we've been here for like two hours now right this I know awesome. I know I know we are like hey guys what's up <laughs> so you said that there are only two positions in an office yeah that's it. All right, let's talk about it. There's two positions in any business, not just the office in any business. And this is so important for, for people to know. Number one is sales, because you cannot grow a business without sales. You cannot grow a business without more income coming in. Manal, you could be, and you, I'm sure you do the most amazing job at helping people market their business and get more people walking in there. But if you don't have a good sales process, and you don't have people who know how to sell, not present a case, know how to sell, because it's a different function altogether to know how to sell a case and, and, and actually close a case versus how to present a case. They're two different things. It's like a golf course, right? If any of the uh, anybody watching is a golfer, you know that there's a difference between your driving game and your putting game. They're two different skill sets. You can't be good at one and bad at the other and expect to go to the PGA. And the same thing in an office, you have got to have great presentation skills, but you got to know how to close them because you can present all day long. If you know how to close people and sales, you're in trouble. The second position is sales support. So everyone else that's not involved directly in the sales is sales support. The doctor sells support. He's got to be willing, he or she has got to be willing to say, uh, uh, show the person that they made a good decision by buying the thing that you're offering. Mm -hmm. And everyone else on the team, everyone else is a part of sales or sales support. If doctors could understand that, because this is a business, we have to, if we want to grow our business, we got to focus on that. There's so many things we focus on that don't mean anything, that don't give us really the, the ROI that we're looking for. That if we would understand, if doctors would understand, Sales, sales support, focus on those two areas and we will win the game because your team members who aren't directly involved in the actual sale, they need to understand that they still are a part of the sales process, whether they're the before, the during or the after. And that's the three steps to a sale. There's a before sale. How are we going to shock and awe them? How are we going to make them feel like, oh my God, I just did this post the other day. You might've saw it where I got on my Delta flight and I actually saw the card on my yeah. desk. 
where I got this card, right? That's great. So I've been telling my doctors since then, I was like, you know what? I know a lot of you um, send out thank you cards and that's great. I tell people to do all the time, send out a thank you card. Thanks for coming in today, stuff like that. What if you did a pre thank you card that when every parent and child that walked into your office, they got a card when they signed in. Oh, hi, Mrs. So-and-so, you brought little Johnny in today. We wanted to give you a thank you card just for showing up today. Uh, what? I haven't even done anything yet. I haven't bought anything from you yet. I don't know if I'm going with you yet. That's okay. We want to thank you for coming in here. Handwritten note. That's a shock their shorts moment. That's a pre-sell, right? How am I going to set up my TC, my hygienist, anyone who's involved in the sales, how am I going to set them up for success beforehand? Then there's the during, how are we making them feel like it's the, the, the most obvious choice. They would go with you no matter location or price. And then after the sale. So those two positions are so important. And that's the only position there are in any offices. Sales, sales support. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think it makes it makes perfect sense. I don't have a mic. I don't have a mic, but here. <laughs> I, I don't want to drop my snowball. Drop. I don't want to drop my snowball. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We just had a mic drop, guys. This is the first in marketing and mocktails with Manal. Whatever. What um, up? What up? <laughs> so we have people like liking this and clapping on this. Yes, yes, yes. It was hilarious. Mic drop. But... It makes perfect sense. And if you look at any successful businesses, that is makes sense as well. So I'm sure, Dino, you do this too, and I do this too, where we have discovery calls or discovery sessions, uh -huh. right? And the discovery call or the session is like the pre-sell. It's right. kind of like, and you know, um, with my discovery calls, which are half an hour long, I literally start you know, my call with saying, well, how can I help you today? Oh. There is no sales pitch. There is no nothing. It's obviously there is something, you know, they schedule it in my calendar and I ask them, tell me what it is that we're going to be talking about just so I'm prepared. And I start with saying, well, how can I help you today? And the call goes on and we discuss whatever the matters is. And then I say, okay, well, here are the ways X, Y, and Z. And usually it's a pre-sale because I'm already going to solve a problem for them on that 30 minutes. Right. And then as soon as that's done, it's like, well, if she can solve this in 30 minutes, what can she do for me more? Right, right. Right, so it's a pre-sale. And if you think about it at Nordstrom's or if you think about it at any of the shopping centers, it's kind of a similar thing. There's a pre-sale, there's an actual sale, there's also a post-sale. And yep. there's a reason you shop at the places you shop at. Yep, and it's, 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 and it's interesting. Okay, so I'm a little more direct on my, on my uh, uh, discovery calls because I'm assuming they already know why they're, why, uh, what I do. Like they got on a call, uh, they, they investigated me. It's kind of like the same thing when people in the orthodontic world, I always say, there's no mother that doesn't go in there who hasn't gone on Facebook and is like, my, my son's dentist said that I need to get braces. How much did you pay for your braces, right? Everyone in there knows that they actually have walked in there knowing it's between four and $6,000. Let's just give it a good range. But like they know. So I do my discovery call a little different. Um, I'm a little more direct at the very beginning and I say, okay, look, I'd like to recognize why we're both here. You're here probably to gather more information. I'm here to find out if what and if I, uh, what I do is a fit for what you want. 
So tell me, what is the biggest pain you're experiencing in your business right now? Because typically, I found anyway, a lot of people don't actually know what they want. Mm. Like if I say, so what do you want? They're like, oh, I don't know. They'll go into what they don't want. Well, I mm. don't want it, my team members to do this. And I don't want, I'm like, I don't, I, I didn't ask you what you don't want. I want to know what you want. Because then if I know what you want, I can say, if I can help you get that or not, I can help you reverse engineer that. I can help you say, oh, I'm not your guy. If they say, well, I want, you know, I want somebody who knows how to do Facebook ads and, and can get me more leads through Facebook. Oh, that's okay. I'm not your guy, but I can send mm -hmm. you somewhere. Mm -hmm. But I always want to go to the pain. Like what's mm -hmm. your pain? Because people don't shift at all in life until the pain is too bad. Right. When the pain is extreme enough, people deal with pain all the time. It's funny, it's, uh, you know, I talk with dentists when I'm talking to dentists and I'm like, so you've had people come in. Uh, actually, I'll give you an actual story. When I was in, uh, um, I was in a Chicago recently and I went to an oral surgeon's office and I said, how often do you get people who come in in crazy pain and you ask them, so how long has it been going on? And they'll say, oh, it's been weeks, months or whatever. And goes, oh, almost every case is somebody who, oh, it's been four weeks, it's been six weeks, it's been two months. What took you so long? Because the right. pain finally got bad enough. And that's anything in our life, right? So I want to know what's their biggest pain? Because Ooh. then I'm talking to the thing that's going to hopefully shift them to make a difference. So that's how I typically start my discussions. But it's the same idea, right? It's like I'm there mm -hmm. to see if I can solve their problem. Right. Right. And yeah. like you said, sometimes it's a good fit and sometimes it's not. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know we have to have the ability to say no. We are like over. We are almost at the hour mark, which is uh, longer than most of Dude, the episodes. Dude, let's let's do marathon, man. Come on. <laughs> we're gonna be here talking for the next two days and be like, hey guys, we're still here drinking our mocktails. It's actually um, it's it. my wife's it's my wife's birthday today, so she was <laughs> like, so you're doing a thing today on my birthday, and I was like, uh huh. <laughs> and okay. she's like. She's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go in my scrapbook room and spend time in there. So she's like tucked away doing her favorite activity, which is scrapbooking. So I'm like, I got nothing else to do. <laughs> well, I think you're going to do something very special because it's her birthday and you are a relationship expert. So we, we, we've we done a full day of like, she's got her lashes done. We went out to breakfast today. Yeah, we're all, and she, I bought her, uh, I got her a personalized, you guys, do you know who Wyland is? The, yeah. the artist? Yeah. So I actually uh, got her a, uh, a an original drawing from him, her, him uh, of a whale with a baby calf, and that's her. So she's super excited. Yeah, she loves it. Yay! That's awesome. Oh yeah, my husband's off today too, and he's uh, we've been snowed in for about three weeks now. Snowed and, in. Uh, snowed in for three weeks. It's been. What, what, you got like what eight inches of snow is that snowed no, in there no, for no, you guys no, anyway the snowden issue is so we live in washington state right and right. we live in a small place in washington state and um they don't plow the roads here right and they don't salt the roads here because it's bad for the environment so when right. i mean i've been snowed in what i mean is i can't leave the house You're trapped. I, I want to literally have my car slide on the road and hit another car because it's just horrible. Listen, you got to live dangerously sometimes. Come oh, on now. I, yeah, but what if I hit somebody else? I mean, you know, what's their problem? So they, uh, they, they should have stayed inside. Exactly. So I'm just like, <laughs> 
So today finally was a better day. So he's like out building a fire in the snow or whatever, so we can actually go outside and uh, enjoy some of the fresh air. Uh, you know, so no, this is this has been fabulous. This has been so much fun, Dino. I really appreciate all the things that you shared. Really, great, great really, time. these are important things. You know that people don't think about when running a business. I'm so, not done yet. Let me let me suck this down so I can say I actually got through it all. <laughs> I finished mine. Dang it! Well, I, I I told you I was super worried about this because I have the world's smallest bladder. <laughs> I'm like I can't drink a lot, or I'm gonna have to leave and go to the bathroom in the middle of this call. <laughs> well, tell everybody if they were if they wanted to reach out to you, if they need some help. Yeah. What do they do? Um, my website dinowatt.com. You can reach me at dino at dinowatt.com. Um, hey, I want to try something with you, Manal. Do you do this thing? I'm sure you know this. Um, I just found this out on Instagram. Do you do the name tag thing on Instagram? Yeah. I'm surprised more people don't do that. Like on on speaking, like when they're up on stages to throw up their Instagram, you know, little name tags. I have people. Uh, just scan it right there when they're sitting there. I'm like, why don't more people do that? I've run, I've run into so many people who have no idea about it. Here, let me. There, there we go. Yeah, are you gonna put? Hey, it everybody, you want to scan me? That's me on Instagram. Oh, I don't know if it'll yep. do that. There you go. Yeah, yep, that's that's better. me on Instagram. Just scan it, freeze frame that, and scan it. That's me on Instagram. I'm on Facebook here, obviously. Um, yeah, that's that's me. I. I'm so around. Then, okay, so pretty much social media. Go stalk Dino. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> on social media. And I forgot to say that he also has a number one international bestseller. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you're kind of like a big deal. Like I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. I like, mean, most people recognize me from my modeling days, but, you know, they also know my book. So he also has a book. So if you are very interested, make sure you go stalk Dino online and you will yeah. find his book as well and go yes, buy the book. It's called The Practice Rx. You can go on Amazon. If you want, you can just email me and I give out my books for free. My books are not a business plan. They're a business card. So if you want a book, I'll just charge you the shipping fee. I'll send that out to you if you want my book. All right. So there we go. We got a free book offer. So make sure that you you definitely capitalize on that. We will answer all your questions. I know you guys were putting some questions and some comments while we were chatting. Uh, we will answer them all. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks again, Dina, for being an awesome guest. Absolutely. Thank you. I, I had a great time. I, I wish all interviews were like this. With you. So very good. Thank you so much. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. Bye.